beautiful song this morning, I am reminded of how God has prepared a banquet for us in heaven and how we on earth, today as we break bread together, have a glimpse of what that eternal banquet will be like. Our scripture reading today for the sermon is from Exodus chapter 20. It's a familiar passage to you. The Ten Commandments, the ten words, literally in the Hebrew, the Decalogue uh, in Psalm 19 that you heard read earlier, the commands or the ordinances or the statutes or the words of the Lord. Hear God's word today. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male nor female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we moved to Richmond back in 1995 to attend seminary, we rented a house for about 11 months. And since we had a little bit of equity from the house we sold in South Carolina prior to moving, we tried to see if we could buy something so that we wouldn't, you know, be just renting. And we found a house that with our down payment and Melanie's job that we could barely afford. And we were able to put a contract on it and moved in during the latter part of my second year in seminary. The house was a traditional Richmond Cape over in the Willow Lawn area, two bedrooms down, two up, with a small bath in the middle of the two bedrooms upstairs. Isabella was born in 2004, and we still lived in that house, and we brought her home from St. Mary's there and had her nursery on one side of the upstairs, and our bedroom was on the other. Well, about six months or so, she started to crawling. Before she, before she crawled, we installed a baby gate up at the top of the narrow flight of stairs so that Isabella could traverse back and forth from room to room exploring the upstairs, but that the baby gate would keep her from tumbling down. 
it was neat to see her as she grew and she would pull up on the baby gate and look over it wondering what was the staircase like, right? And then eventually she could scoot up and down the stairs. This, the baby gate was to keep her safe. It was sort of like a set of guardrails on a highway for our cars. Isabella did not know that she needed a baby gate. We did. I want to suggest that the Ten Commandments were God's way of giving us some boundaries, a baby gate, if you will, or a set of guardrails for our lives. God knew that the people of Israel would have a tendency to rebel, to go their own way, and so God provided a set of boundaries in giving Moses and the people the Ten Commandments. They didn't know they needed it, but God sure did. They would be God's boundaries, a way of living life, a moral code for the people of Israel as they were a redeemed people, a redeemed nation. Summarizing the commandments, uh, the first one, prohibiting polytheism. God says, I'm one God. A prohibition of idolatry. Prohibition of misusing God's name. And then the fourth one, the sanctification of time. We'll spend a few more moments on that one than the others today. That's the Sabbath. And then respect for one's parents. So uh, honoring, remembering the Sabbath and respecting parents are the two more positive commands. And the other ones are more negative. You shall, shall not do so and so. There's a prohibition of murder, adultery, theft, false witness or lying, and then the prohibition of coveting, which is desiring something at the expense of someone else. I can't have it, so I don't want you or you to have it either, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make your life miserable so that you can't enjoy that. Some have relegated the Ten Commandments to a list of do's and don'ts or thou shalt's and thou shalt nots. Uh, if you grew up in the Deep South, you remember blue laws. Even when I was growing up, I remember my mom saying that there were certain things that you couldn't get at the store on Sunday, and many stores were closed. Malls were closed, and you, you really couldn't do a whole lot on Sunday. Now it's completely different, but some have that in their, in their framework. And then others have made the, the display of the commandments a source of public debate, Today I'd like to look at the commands in their context as a continuation of God's covenant with the people of Israel. This graceful and just God entered into a covenant with Noah. Noah didn't deserve it. Noah didn't do a thing. God entered into that covenant and that shows us the grace of God, the love of God. And then God covenanted with Abraham. Go to a land that I will show you and I will make you the father and Sarah the mother of many nations. And then another covenant with Abraham and required something in return, which was the male circumcision. Living by these commands was how the Israelites were to keep their part of the covenant with God. And the, hence this, new, this uh, new set of guidelines or boundaries that we understand as the Ten Commandments. God is a God of covenant. And today we are in the covenant of Jesus Christ, this new covenant through the blood that was shed for our sins. 
One Old Testament scholar writes, the narrative begins not with the listing of the first and thus the most important command or rule, but rather with the story of God's deliverance of Israel from Egyptian slavery. Think about this. The very first part of the Ten Commandments we find in verse 2 of chapter 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Before any of the rules are given, any of the commands, any of the ordinances are given, God says, this is our story. I redeemed you from slavery. Remember that as you live life. These commandments are rooted not in just God's power to enunciate them, but in the Israelite experience of deliverance and salvation. These are not just good pieces of advice from a powerful God, says the scholar, but the required response of a grateful people. No other deity saved you from your chains, therefore you will call on no other God but me. Hence, the Ten Commandments are primarily about the identity of God, the character of God's followers, and our relationship with one another. Our identity, our theology, and our relationships are all intermixed in a set of commands that we might find indispensable, but also, if we're honest, incredibly difficult to understand fully and often to follow. That's why we need Jesus Commands 1 through 4, if you look at the the list, uh, relate to our relationship with God, our vertical relationship with God. Commands 5 through 10 identify our relationships with others. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, you remember what he said, he summarized them into two. Deuteronomy 6, 5, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then Leviticus 19, 18, he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took the first four, love God, and the last six, love others, and summarize them. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments are summarized in these. But how can God's people follow through with our end of the covenant? I'm convinced that the answer lies in the in-between of the vertical and the horizontal the two sections of the Ten Commandments, and that is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I believe when we engage in Sabbath keeping, we're able to honor God and love neighbor. Sabbath Sabbath keeping, Sabbath practicing is something that guides our everyday walk with God through Jesus Christ. As we understand what it means to love God and love neighbor. Love people different than we are. Love people from different cultures and nations and backgrounds and languages and walks of life. All of this is Sabbath keeping. And I believe that it really boils down to a lifestyle of worship. Not just a bunch of do's and don'ts and not just certain habits on a Sunday or things that we can and can't do or stores that should be opened or closed, but rather our entire life as an act of worship. Sabbath keeping. You remember when Jesus was criticized because he allowed his disciples to pluck grain on the Sabbath. Jesus was chastised because he healed people on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. That's outside of the rules. The Hebrew people had developed a set of rules. I think there were 613. I can't get my math straight, but they had made a whole list of rules 
that were supplementary to how to interpret the Ten Commandments. And then there are many rules beyond that. And that's where Jesus caught a whole lot of flack because they didn't feel that he was abiding by them as he should have. But Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, I believe, is God's way of helping people to develop a habitual pattern of worship to ensure ethical treatment of society's most vulnerable and to care for oneself, all the while honoring and glorifying God. Sabbath, if you're taking notes, is a noun, and it is from the Hebrew verb Shabbat. Can you all say that? Shabbat? Shabbat? It means to, to rest or to cease or to sit down and to be still. If you go back and study Exodus chapter 16, you'll be reminded of some of the things that God instructed Moses and the people learned about Sabbath. Remember, God provided manna from heaven when they were hungry in the desert. And God said, every day you shall collect just enough for the day, but on the sixth day you're to collect twice as much so that it will suffice for the seventh day, which was a day of Sabbath, a day of rest, a day to cease activity. And God provided manna, not only manna, but quail, and provided water for them to drink. Just enough for the day. And some went out and tried to gather more than they needed for the day. And what happened? Do you remember? It spoiled. And I won't describe what it would look like, but it was nasty. It stunk. It had bugs all in it. And God said, I'm providing for you, and on the seventh day, you're going to rest. Because God rested on the seventh day, and we also need to rest ourselves. So there are a few purposes in your notes today. One is that practicing Sabbath helps us to delight in God, that we just worship Him in spirit and in truth and honor God and seek to hear a word from God. Isaiah 58 Verses 13 and 14 says this about delighting God. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Delight in the Lord as you develop Sabbath practice. We also care for ourselves as we practice Sabbath. Are you overcommitted? Have you said yes to too many things? Are you working too many hours, too hard? Are you reaching your saturation point? Are you um, running on little sleep and trying to go on adrenaline? I know it's not easy. Sometimes you're asking, Sabbath, Pastor Bob, but how? My, I, just, I just can't figure it out. And it's a work in progress. Maybe some things we talk about today will help you start that journey. In the Hebrew uh, religion, a Sabbath was 24 hours, it started at sundown Friday and went to sundown Saturday. It was full 24 hours, included a night's rest. 
a full night's rest and family time and being together and worship. We Christians move the Sabbath to Sunday. And Sabbath for us in our Christian culture, and it's not right, but this is, I believe, how we do it, starts when we drag ourselves out of bed and rush late to church and get everybody in tow and get them where they need to be and go through worship and then get through Sunday school and then rush to beat the Methodists to lunch. And then we go on to ball practice and we're on to the grocery store. Wegmans does most of its business on Sunday if you ever see the parking lot. I'm not judging because, honestly, that's the only time my family can figure out go to the grocery store sometimes. I'm not judging. I'm just saying this is the life we live. This is where we're at. And we've gotten away from a full 24-hour Sabbath, as the Bible has taught us, to maybe a couple of hours of worship at best. And then we're on to the next thing. And I believe that God wants us to take a step back. And rest and delight in him and care for ourselves rest our body care for ourselves is the second thing rest our body recharge our emotions refocus our spirit and that can happen when we come to worship if we expect God in those ways try to figure out how you can carve out time in your week. It may not be Sunday. It may be another day that you are able to carve out time for Sabbath and rest and, and spiritual renewal. And uh, the, the third way that we experience Sabbath is to dwell in community. And you all are doing that right now. To be together as we worship together, as we prepare for worship, as we commune during worship, as we come to the table of the Lord and as we go from this place and continue to live a lifestyle of worship. So a few questions for us this morning. How, how has your understanding of Sabbath been shaped? Just reflect on these this week. They're in your notes. But how has your understanding of Sabbath been shaped either by your past or your culture or your present situation? What does Sabbath keeping look like for you now? Do some honest reflecting on that question and begin to sense how you can perhaps expand that. You might not be able to get a full 24-hour Sabbath, but how can you find two hours of Sabbath on a given day or a little bit more? Sabbath sometimes can look like working out in your garden. I enjoy mowing the lawn and raking leaves and working in my yard as Sabbath time. That is therapeutic for me. I find rest in that. I enjoy playing ball with my daughter, going for a bike ride. Or you can even, you know, go to a movie. All of these things, these can be Sabbath keeping. And what is your vision for practicing Sabbath? What do you hope it will be with God's help? And what steps do you need to take toward a more holistic approach to practicing Sabbath? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. I am the living bread that has come from heaven. And today, as we commune together, as we experience Sabbath together, as we practice Sabbath, we remember he who said, I am the bread of life. 
he who gathered with his disciples and took bread and gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat as often as you meet together. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and poured it out and said, this is my blood shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. And as often as you meet together, drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Today, our servers will be here to serve you. I'm going to ask that as you receive your bread, just place your palms open and our servers will place the bread in your palms and take your elements back to your seats and we will eat together. Would you join me as we pray? Almighty God, thank you for this Sabbath day that we might worship together in community, that we might delight in you and care for ourselves, our spirits, our souls, and come to the table in community. We do this in remembrance of Jesus, the one who is the bread of life. In his name we pray.